0: This week we share our second quarter outlook and it's not inflation that matters most for our asset allocation, here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform, because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of May 2, 2022. And this week, Julia and I are going to introduce the premise of our second quarter outlook, where we focus on what we think is most important for asset allocation in the next few months, and
1: frankly, the rest of the year. And in what is likely a big surprise for our listeners, we are not about to say it's inflation.
0: No, ma'am. And it's not that we don't care about inflation. It's just that because it's become such a given for the next few months that it has set the stage for investors and then sunk into the background. Once you've positioned for a high inflation environment, which we and I think everyone else has, what makes the marginal difference in asset allocation decisions is actually economic growth.
1: And that growth question is binary for us. Either growth keeps pace with inflation this year, or it doesn't. Our base case is that it will. If we want to get technical about it, our team has defined our higher growth scenario, our base case, as 1% real growth or greater. And that's economic growth once you've taken inflation into account. But if growth can't keep up with inflation, that is a stagflation scenario. Though we see that as much less likely.
0: Ooh, you used the S word. So I want to be clear what we mean by stagflation. What Julia just described could potentially be a circumstance where nominal GDP growth is 4%, just to throw out a random number, but inflation is 6%, which means real or inflation adjusted GDP growth is negative. It wouldn't be labeled a recession in economic terms, but it would sure feel like that in the real world. So now that we've set the basic stage, let's make our point on inflation before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Why do we think inflation is or prices are going to be so high this year?
1: I mean, let me just air out the laundry list, Lauren. (laughs) We have the Russia-Ukraine crisis as the near-term shock. But it's not just that. We also have supply chain issues, which have just been so persistent. COVID lockdowns in China, deglobalization, climate change, to say nothing of the fact that the U.S. economy has some late cycle dynamics developing, namely a very tight labor market.
0: Yeah. And I mean, aside from a shock to the system,
1: or I guess another
0: shock to the system, considering the market we're in, it's hard to make a strong case for inflation suddenly dropping off this year. And since the whole market seems to agree on that, we start to care about other things more for asset allocation.
1: It's definitely a bit ironic, but okay. We're seeing two paths for growth, a binary scenario. What is going to make the difference between those two paths?
0: We see growth hinging on three factors this year. One, the pace of post-pandemic reopening, two, the strength of consumers, and three, the resilience of companies to higher prices. In our base case, where growth holds up, we see room to run on reopening or normalization of economic activity, and we believe that strong wage growth will help keep consumers able to handle higher costs.
1: And what about companies? They have a lot of choices to be making amid higher input costs and labor shortages these days.
0: Very good point. We see companies investing in capacity where they need to in response to supply chain pressures. And if consumers stay strong, passing some higher costs on to customers will be possible as well.
1: Okay, so that's our stronger growth base case. And conversely, these factors could all falter, or one of those factors could falter, and create a stagflation scenario, though we see this as less likely.
0: Yes. Now, equally important to what might create each growth scenario is how we know we're in one scenario versus the other. And so, Julia, I'll put that to you. What are we watching to see how well growth is holding
1: up? This is really where our daily work kicks in. When it comes to reopening, I'm watching mobility indicators to see the pace of normalization. These can be really fun to an economic nerd such as myself. There is a Pret index measuring demand for coffee at airports and in office areas. There are office occupancy rates, Broadway ticket sales. You can really look at anything. What
0: about on the consumer health side of things? Would we just compare hard retail sales data, for instance, with
1: some of the consumer sentiment surveys out there? That's how I do it, yeah. And with companies, we have more of a one-stop shop of looking at first-quarter earnings results and the forward guidance corporate management teams are giving. That gives us insights into companies' top and bottom lines, as well as investment decisions.
0: Just as a quick note for our listeners, you can read our whole second-quarter outlook on newyorklifeinvestments.com and just click the Insights tab. That takes us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And if we're faced with two scenarios for growth this year, growth keeps up with inflation, or it doesn't, that binary means different things for how we would allocate to a multi-asset diversified portfolio.
1: Emphasis on diversified in such a muddled macro environment.
0: Exactly. So let's start with our base case, which is that growth stays relatively robust and keeps a pace with inflation. That growth tailwind should favor equities, specifically value and small cap equities. And to be honest, it's hard not to stay invested in equities anyway when inflation is so high. Other asset classes, but specifically cash, can be a drag on a portfolio when a dollar is worth less and less each month thanks to inflation. Inflation still complicates the equity picture, though, and so we'd want to be invested in companies that have quality earnings, specifically the ability to preserve profit margins amid higher costs.
1: And what if we're wrong? How would we approach equity exposure differently if growth does not hold up in that stagflation scenario? There'd
0: be one big change specifically, and that's that we'd prefer large cap to small cap stocks because larger companies just have a bigger balance sheet to buffer and handle downturns. Aside from that, we'd look for companies that are high quality with an emphasis on strong profitability and a strong track record of that profitability. And we'd look for more defensive exposure within values such as sectors like
1: utilities, staples, and healthcare. So it sounds to me that your points on quality and defensive seem more like nuances than wholesale shifts within equities.
0: Very well said. And so I'm going to kick it back to you. In our base case of relatively robust growth, how should we position in fixed income?
1: This would be pretty much where we are now in short duration high yield instruments, short duration municipal bonds or munis and floating rate bonds. All of these can really weather this rising interest rate environment relatively well.
0: That's really interesting because where we have a more defensive posturing in equity, it's not time to get there in fixed income. So I'm guessing then that if we're wrong and growth
1: falters, that would be the time to get more defensive in bonds. Yeah, exactly. And we would do that by adding duration, which would mostly be in core government and investment grade bonds. We would do that after more interest rate hikes have hit the market. And we're completely sure that the hiking cycle is priced in. Slowing growth would help us feel really sure about that because for right now, growth is still holding up and might theoretically be able to digest more interest rate hikes than are currently expected.
0: And if choosing between these scenarios sounds too overwhelming, there are always macro resilient themes that you can invest in over the long haul, things like infrastructure or ESG investing. Coming up next, it's Fed Week. The Federal Open Markets Committee meets this Tuesday and Wednesday. It's going to be a closely watched meeting for two reasons. First, The market expects a 50 basis point hike, double what we got in March, to offset rising inflation. Fed governors have been signaling they're willing to do this, but it's not a given, so we'll be looking out. And second, this will likely be the meeting when the Fed announces the start of its quantitative tightening program or the roll-off of balance sheet assets. This will contribute to tightening liquidity conditions and hopefully help rein in inflation further. That's all for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on NewYorkLifeInvestments.com and click the Insights tab. But until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benemots and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nilife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.